Welcome to another episode of Inside You Miami Medicine. Today we have the blessed privilege of having with us Dr. Nanette Vega, Assistant Professor of Medical Education and Assistant Dean for Diversity, Inclusion, and Community Engagement. Dr. Vega, welcome. Pleasure. Thank Absolutely you for having me. Absolutely a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Been looking much. forward to this podcast. As I have been as well. So you've been an integral part of the middle school family since 2010. So tell us a little bit about your story, about your journey, uh, and how you became interested in higher education and, and what ultimately led you to the middle school of medicine. Yes, so thank you. Um, so yes, my background is, is not in higher ed. I have a non-traditional background. I graduated with a degree in sociology and Spanish literature. Mm -hmm. I was a social worker for the state of Massachusetts for two years and fell into higher ed, got my start in admissions at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth and was then recruited by the University of Miami to recruit for them. And so my start was 23 years ago, hard to believe last week I celebrated my 23rd year of service. Wow. Uh, to the University of Miami and started uh, in admission. Wow. So, so tell me, was it, what challenges did you face as a first-generation college student attending UMass Dartmouth College? So many challenges, um, and many first-gen still face these challenges because mm -hmm. we understand these are all systemic issues, right? Um, you know, it was very difficult navigating the complexities of a higher education, mm -hmm. um, not having anyone at home that I could talk to right. about right. Um, school right. or classes or financial aid and all of those things. I think the biggest challenge was the, the cost associated to attending mm -hmm. the school, although mm -hmm. I was on a scholarship. Um, but, you know, it was through many mentors along the way that sure. poured into me mm -hmm. um, that really uh, changed the trajectory of my life. And it is by no, you know, chance that I ended up in, in education. Sure. So you must have been feeling some element of isolation being the first gen. So how, how did you overcome those barriers and how did you build a network uh, yes. to help you succeed? Yes, the network is so important. Um, mm -hmm. It was through student organizations. It was through offices like the one we established here at the mm -hmm. Miller School of Medicine that I found my way um, and helped build my cultural capital to navigate um, okay. college. Sure. And so, um, you know, again, it was all mentors that poured into me along the way that I still stay connected to um, and now volunteer with the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth and serve on the Alumni Advisory Board and establish a scholarship for students that are just like me or were like me. Um, and I always say once first gen, you're always first gen, um, you know, first gen mm -hmm. uh, bachelor's, first gen master's, first gen doctorate. And so it, it continues to be a challenge. But um, I surround myself with people that are like-minded, um, that will serve as sponsors behind the scenes, um, and I continue to invest in myself with professional development, which is very important. Sure. No, it's, it's absolutely wonderful. So, as you reflect back, as you look back on your journey, um, what has the impact of education been in terms of changing your personal life and vis-a-vis -vis your own uh, family, siblings, and so forth. Just tell us a little bit about uh, the importance yes, of education. Uh, you know, I always say we, we live in the best country in the world. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in one generation, I got to change my family story. Um, mm -hmm. And although my parents, specifically my mother, mm -hmm. um, did not understand the education system here um, in the United States, we're from Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. 
um, she instilled the importance of pursuing education mm -hmm. and it has changed our life tremendously. Yeah. And now the conversation yeah. with cousins and yeah. Yeah. extended yeah. family, it's yeah. not, are you going to college? It's right. what college are you going to? Got it. Got it. And um, yeah. it's, it's been so powerful. So this has been a game changer. Completely. Good. Completely. Good. Good. Now, you, you also often mention in our conversations the concept of onlyness. Like you were the only one basically in the room, the only Latina. And mm -hmm. so, so, so how have you managed to navigate through all of this mm -hmm. to, to reach your position today? Yes, and I know it's something that you're working hard to change um, and mm -hmm. diversify, mm -hmm. you know, staff and faculty here. Um, you know, this idea of, you know, sense of belonging and being able to add value, it really starts with this notion of seeing yourself represented. Sure. Um, you can't mm -hmm. be what you can't see. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. so for me, it's really been about identifying mentors, not only within the UM community, but, you know, nationally that can serve as mentors um, to help me continue to navigate the complexities of a higher education system at the leadership level. So, so this concept of onlyness uh, is a motivating factor for you to implement change. Absolutely, okay. absolutely, mm -hmm. because I am the students that we represent, um, and nothing brings me more joy than to be a part of a student's, mm -hmm. you know, um, trajectory here at the Miller School of Medicine. And, and so, in, in tying it all, tying it all in together, how does that influence your perception of? diversity inclusion at the middle school and its importance in the mm -hmm. lives of the other students you know i think we share a similar philosophy i mm -hmm. believe that you know for for a long time many institutions just focused on who was here mm -hmm. and um, i truly believe that you can't strive for excellence you can't achieve institutional excellence without diversity equity and inclusion and so with all of my lived experiences, with my identities, the intersection of identities, mm -hmm. I show up as my authentic self every single day mm -hmm. in doing the work that I do. Mm -hmm. um, I remain a learner. I remain humble in this work. And I think that's helped me, um, you know, be strategic in the ways that we align our work with the overall strategic plan for the university. Wonderful. Wonderful. So thank you for your willingness and your candor in sharing some of your personal journey with us. I think that story is uh, quite stimulating, especially in the context of uh, education being a game changer. And I know that that's what you're trying to do here at the Middle School of Medicine. So it's just a great transition, great, se great segue into the topic that we want to cover today. Uh, but, but first, let me start by framing it. Sure. Uh, according to WMC, we know that roughly 5% um, of the physicians in the United States currently happen to be black or African-American, uh, 7% are Latinx, and, and maybe less than 1% uh, would be classified as uh, um, Native Americans, Native Alaskans, and so forth. So, um, so we have a problem. Um, how important do you believe uh, is diversity in terms of, uh, in, in the context of promoting health equity. We know some of the data um, that show that uh, if, when there is convergence between the patient and the provider, uh, there seems to be better health outcomes. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so framing it all together, how important is diversity and inclusion um, in our goal as a medical school uh, health system uh, to promote health equity? 
it's our responsibility mm -hmm. as an institution of higher ed um, to develop the next generation of physicians that mm -hmm. is representative of the diverse communities that we serve. And as you stated, uh, data shows that many of our historically excluded groups tend to go mm -hmm. back into the community and underserved communities and serve them. And there are better outcomes. And so I believe that programs like our medical scholars program that has a long, rich legacy here at the Miller School of Medicine mm -hmm. is part of that national change. Mm -hmm. um, and we're creating pathways into medicine for students that maybe at other institutions didn't receive the guidance or the resource. It's really a level playing field for our students. Um, and we're already seeing some great outcomes sure. um, at the high school level, at the college level that we mm -hmm. can talk about as well. But again, it's our responsibility sure. um, as being part of you know, uh, a national um, commitment sure. to diversify um, medicine as we know it. So in this context, creating a pipeline of underrepresented minority students uh, who aspire to become doctors or are prepared to enter the medical profession is a social and moral responsibility for the middle school. Absolutely, and no one understands that better than you. You've uh, supported these programs since uh, you arrived here at the Miller School of Medicine. Um, and, you know, again, we're building on this rich legacy spanning mm -hmm. over 30 years, and mm -hmm. we've produced thousands of physicians that are now practicing all over, not only the, the country, but the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of this commitment is to create that pathway into medicine. Students don't know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, navigating medical school, the complexities of that can be daunting for mm -hmm. a lot of, of students, not even just URM, but all students. And so what we do is we work one-on-one -on -one with each student. We provide um, assessments on their portfolio. Mm -hmm. We assess their readiness sure. for medical school sure. and provide the resources, which as we know, sometimes sure. can be the challenge and the mm -hmm. obstacle. Uh, things like MCAT prep, sure, sure, uh, access sure. to research, different sure. things like that, so they can be competitive applicants. Sure, I mean, that, that's, that's a great uh, segue into the real topic. And, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Vega, you have had tremendous success mm -hmm. uh, setting up uh, those pipeline programs, uh, probably more success than any other medical school in the state of Florida. Tell us about the Medical Scholars Program, mm -hmm. program that you have created. And I know there are several components, and I want you to break it down for us. Yes. Every single yes, one. Thank you. From the, target, uh, the, the target population and, and the specifics about what you offer Absolutely. in terms of developing that pipeline. Absolutely. So I do want to recognize that I am building on the legacy of Dr. Astrid Mack, who Please. was a physician here for over 30 mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I am building on his legacy, and we're very well aware of that. For 30 years, he served as the Dean of Minority Affairs mm -hmm. and single-handedly managed these programs through a variety of grants and support of the university. And so mm -hmm. when I joined in 2010, the programs were no longer in existence. Wow. And part of- What happened? I don't know. Where did they go, uh -huh. right? So uh, Dr. Matt was gone. Dr. Mack retired and so the programs, programs went retired. away. Okay. The programs went away as well. Wow. So my first charge was to apply and hopefully become a competitive applicant for the HRSA HCOP grant, the Health Careers Opportunity Grant, which was Fantastic. a multi-million dollar grant. Sure. Um, no pressure, right? Your first six months here, write this grant, secure the grant. And we were successful. That's, that's why you're in the net Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. And so we were successful mm -hmm. and we received the funding to establish not three programs, but five. And okay. so we focused on high school and college 
Um, and again, uh, part of the, the agreement with Miami-Dade uh, schools, it, we have an articulation agreement with them and many of the science magnet mm -hmm. schools to develop their students' interest in the health sciences. And we still do to this day. Mm -hmm. And then the other programs focus on pre-med students from around the country okay. with obviously a focus on our own here mm -hmm. at the University of Miami mm -hmm. and the South Florida area. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a partnership now with Miami-Dade College. We recruit students from all over the South Florida area, but our students truly represent the entire mm -hmm. United States of America. And we're very proud of that. And so we work with historically black colleges and universities. We work with pre-med counselors um, to recruit students um, and make sure that we have a competitive applicant pool. Mm -hmm. And so applications are available in December every okay. single year okay. for an incoming class um, okay. that will occur during June and July. Mm -hmm. uh, we receive about 125 applicants for mm -hmm. 25 spots in mm -hmm. each of the four programs okay. now. And we just commenced our class of 2022. We had 75 students from all over the country. Some okay programs we had to adapt to a virtual platform sure. because that's our reality sure. right now. Mm -hmm. But we had the opportunity to bring our research scholars on campus for the okay. STIR program, which okay. you established under your leadership, the sure. Students Training and Research Program. Yeah. Um, and they had an opportunity to work one-on-one -on -one with our esteemed faculty in conducting okay. research over the course of the summer Good. and present their poster boards. Right. Um, so we're very proud of those initiatives. So, so Dr. Vega, I'm a high school student and uh, I, I would like to become a doctor. Mm -hmm. um, so what program do I apply to? We have many programs now. Mm -hmm. um, actually, we are getting ready this fall to um, launch two additional programs that will happen throughout the academic year. Okay. But if you are a student currently attending a Miami-Dade public school, you can apply to the high school careers in medicine program. Okay which is a program for rising seniors. Okay. It occurs during the months of June and July over okay. a course of seven weeks. Okay. And at the end of the program, mm -hmm. uh, you will leave with a portfolio mm -hmm. and ready to apply to colleges and universities around the country. But what happens so during what do you the seven focus weeks, on? Mm -hmm. right, yeah. we focus mm -hmm. on a very focused science curriculum. Okay. Um, we also focus on the SAT prep, good. which is very important. Okay. Um, and good. then we also focus mm -hmm. on the essay and letters of recommendation. Great. So by the time Great. that they leave, they have all of the components to apply okay. for, for college once fall semester begins. So great. I'm a college student. Mm -hmm. um, what are my options? Yes. You have many you, options. Yeah, <laughs> you have, yeah, you have at least three. You can, have at least okay, three. So tell me, just yeah. break them down. So we encourage students to apply broadly. They do have three options. Um, we have, um, I mentioned the MCAT prep program, okay. and that is a program that we partner with Kaplan. Okay. Um, and it's a seven-week intensive mm -hmm. program, 8.30 to 5, Monday through Friday. Wow. Every single week they're okay. doing comprehensive assessments. We actually mimic the environment of okay. the actual MCAT exam wow. every single week. So MCAT um, boot camp. MCAT boot camp. Okay. Um, so it's very intense, and that program is limited to 25 students. Okay. Um, it is competitive. We receive, as I mentioned, over 125 applications mm -hmm. for 25 mm -hmm. spots. Mm -hmm. But that program um, also has some elements of shadowing. Okay. Uh, we also have mentorship, sure. so they receive a mentor Got as it. well. Um, then we have the motivation program, which is kind of like a mini medical school experience here mm. at the Miller School of Medicine. Really? 
Okay. And we have our esteemed faculty who serve as uh, instructors. So they sure. get to experience their first semester of medical school here. Wow. They're in the labs, dissecting cadavers as ah, part of anatomy, okay. anatomy lab. Okay. So it's very hands-on. Um, and again, limited to 25 students, um, very competitive sure. as well, sure. but a very science-focused uh, curriculum, but also we focus on MCAT prep, but not as intense as the okay. MCAT prep so program. Just experiential. Experiential, mm -hmm. correct. Mm -hmm. okay. um, we also have, one. for the three of them, I think it's important to know, um, some of our medical students serve as teaching assistants. W wonderful. So that's wonderful. an opportunity for them so to mentor. Role models. Role models, yeah, right? So, so you can, if you, you can be, if you can see it, so. You can be it, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. And so um, a lot of our students are alumni of our program. So there's that connection as well. Um, so it's a full circle moment for them to give back to a program okay. whom they believe has given so much to them. Okay. And then the last program is actually your brainchild, which okay. is the Students Training and Research Program. Um, and those are students who are focused on research. So they are interested in becoming a physician, but they also want to be a scientist and they want to conduct research. Mm -hmm. And as we know, this is a competitive part of their medical school portfolio. Um, and many of our students are invited back to be a part mm -hmm. of these research teams, mm -hmm. become published, present at national mm -hmm. conferences. So it's just not about the seven weeks. Sure. These students become part of our office family okay. all the way through, even after residency. So they remain connected with our office. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Well, well, all this sounds good, right? Mm -hmm. So what evidence do we have? Um, that can attest to the effectiveness yes. of these programs. Do we have any data to yes. support that they are making a difference? We are, and, and um, I'm hoping to publish this really soon. We're Fantastic. working on mm -hmm. the data collection piece, but um, I can tell you There's that. Some, I, some, yeah, some, I can some, tell some you some examples. of the mm -hmm. some examples. Um, a hundred percent. So a hundred percent of our high school students compared to Miami Dade graduation mm -hmm. rates, which are about in the high 70% mm -hmm. graduate from high school. Wow. Okay. Okay. But we don't stop there. Okay. We encourage them to apply to college. So we're a part of that process as well. Mm -hmm. And 95% of our students apply to college, okay. get accepted to college wow. okay. and 80% are on scholarship. Okay. So, wow. Okay. Right. Almost okay. debt free. A lot of these students. Okay. Um, okay. And yes, some of them do stay here at the University of Miami. We wish okay. they can all stay here. <laughs> um, but what's happening is mm -hmm. our students are very competitive and are going to other schools nationally. Mm -hmm. So we're very proud of that for our pre-med students, about 60 percent. So six out of every 10 students that applies in that year for medical school not only receives interviews for medical school, but is accepted to medical school and attends medical school. Sixty percent. Mm -hmm. And again, these are all historically excluded students. So African-American, right. Black, Latinx. 60%. 60%. And so right now we're tracking not only how they're doing in medical school, sure. where they're going to residency. Sure. And anecdotally, I can tell you, um, and I'm hoping to, to prove this, a lot of our students are coming back for residency here at wow. Jackson. Wow. Um, wow. And you know, we have several students already here mm -hmm. um, that are recruiting other students to come back. So there's definitely a connection between our office, the program, the affinity that they feel for sure. the Miller School of Medicine, and then wanting to give back and stay uh, within the communities that they are very familiar with. So for, for some of our uh, listeners with means, as far yes. as the podcast is concerned, this is a pretty worthwhile investment. 
a worthwhile investment. Okay. Um, for each student, it's about $5,000 to support one student in our program. But again, the investment is felt over a, a lifetime, right? Amazing. Because these Amazing. students come back to our communities sure. and serve the underserved. Sure. Certainly something to even start share with the state legislature, don't you think? Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, we're part of the Florida um, Council of Deans, and mm -hmm. um, there's been lots of conversation sure. around these sure. initiatives. Yeah. And we serve as a national model. We've consulted other schools sure. on establishing their programs. So we're proud of what mm -hmm. we've built here. Yeah. Um, and again, it would not be it, it would not be possible without yeah. the support of leadership. And, and we're looking to continue to solidify um, our network yes. locally. Um, we have a partnership that uh, we've just announced uh, with Miami-Dade uh, College. Tell us a little bit about that partnership and how that uh, fits within the context of yes. developing the pipeline. So actually, Miami-Dade College is one of the first to enter in a memorandum of understanding, a partnership of sorts, sure. where we will be, and we already started, right. um, we are working with their biomedical students sure. in creating a pathway into medicine, oh, to the beautiful. Miller School of Medicine. Um, actually, we had five of their scholars participate this summer. Okay. But we're also working with their advisors in making sure that they have real-time, up-to-date information on how to advise uh, mm -hmm. pre-med students so mm -hmm. they are competitive in their mm -hmm. application process. Mm -hmm. um, and then the next phase of this um, is to enter into partnerships with our Florida HBCUs, Historically Black Colleges and Universities. I'm happy sure. to announce we have one, um, you okay. know, that has okay. entered in mm -hmm. an agreement in the initial stages, and I'm working on the, the three. Um, so hopefully in the next you know, year or so, we'll be able to announce that we're in partnership with all Florida historically black colleges and universities, which again, this is the pipeline, the pathway sure. that we want to create into our school of medicine. Yeah, I think that that's really fabulous. Uh, and, and, and it shows uh, your vision and, and your approach, uh, your ecumenical approach mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that we're inclusive. But you also um, have a program uh, to help train the Miami-Dade public school science teachers Yes. how to more effectively teach and mentor uh, STEM students. Yes. And, and again, we need to go beyond this approach of, you know, a one-off, right? It mm -hmm. really needs to be an integrated approach. And mm -hmm. part of that is twofold. One is working with Miami-Dade public school teachers mm -hmm. to make sure that they have the resources that they need in mm -hmm. order to um, encourage these students to pursue mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes, you know, a, a career in STEM, a career in health science is really not in the, the possibilities, right, mm -hmm. in the world of possibilities for a lot of these students. So every single semester, um, and actually this year will be in October, we bring Miami-Dade public school teachers from all around the county sure. to join us here at the Miller School of Medicine, and they engage in workshops and trainings okay. um, led by our SEEM faculty. It's a full-day comprehensive program supported by your office, mm -hmm. and um, we will be doing that again this year. Um, and in addition to that, we are expanding our pathway programs into middle school and elementary school this year. Uh, we secured two additional grants through the Miami Foundation um, and the um, the Miami Foundation is supporting our uh, programs that are going into middle and elementary school. So these mm -hmm. curriculums will be throughout the academic year, not just the, the summer programs. That's wonderful, wonderful. So we've heard about your story. Yeah. You have emphasized the value of education, its importance in being a game changer. Um, as you reflect on your accomplishments here at the middle school, you're 
professionally and also your own journey. What are your hopes and aspirations for these underrepresented minority students who are entering the pipeline towards mm -hmm. a career in medicine? Mm -hmm. uh, what are you hoping that what are you hoping they will do mm -hmm. with the opportunities afforded to them? My hope, and, and we're already seeing this happen, is that they continue to pay it forward. To whom much is given, much is expected. And I see a lot of our students come back either in, you know, donating to to the, the Astrid Mac Endowment Fund or mm -hmm. giving of their time, which is another way mm -hmm. to give back, mm -hmm. um, or being champions of, of this office. Mm -hmm. um, and I still have students who participated in these programs over a decade ago that refer students uh, to these programs. And so I, you know, this brings me so much joy to see mm -hmm. students realize their dreams, but sure. also to never forget who along the way helped them mm -hmm. get there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that's that's the best outcome we can we can sure. hope for. Sure. And, and you're also changing your demographics of the physician workforce. Yes. So that has to have some impact on health equity. huh? I would like to think so. Um, you know, we are a part of this larger mission, right? Mm -hmm. As we know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. research has shown there's going to be a shortage of physicians. Um, we need to continue to focus on this development of a workforce that really is representative of our community. Um, and, you know, as we discussed earlier, our historically excluded groups do go back into underserved communities and mm -hmm. there is such a need mm -hmm. and there is a direct impact on quality of care, on addressing disparities, um, you know, having physicians that are culturally humble doing this work is mm -hmm. so key in addressing, you know, microaggressions and biases mm -hmm. and all of these things that we all have and experience. So we are part of this national cause sure. um, that is really changing the landscape of medicine. Okay. So what words of encouragement uh, uh, or advice do you have for underrepresented minority, minority students uh, uh, who aspire uh, mm -hmm. to pursue STEM but um, who get discouraged? Uh, they tell them, forget it, it's not going to happen. You, know, you just don't have the makeup for it. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think, um, you know, if I go back to the little girl you know, in a small town in New Bedford, Massachusetts, that was told no many times me. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to my high school counselor with my college applications and she was encouraging me to apply for secretary school and I'm dating myself right now, but um, you know, she didn't see me as I saw myself. So what I would say is surround yourself with people who are going to help you get there mm -hmm. because the resources are there. We live in the best country in the world. And I still believe that. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, we are up against some systemic issues, mm -hmm. um, but there are enough of us doing this work sure. where you can, you know, identify the resources necessary to level the playing field and to help build that cultural capital. So you can navigate the complexities. Okay. Um, and also I would say, um, invest in yourself, right? Sure. People invest in those that invest in themselves. And so it begins with you. And I'm always going, you know, above and beyond for students who mm -hmm. I see, um, you know, taking an interest in themselves and doing everything possible. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say those two things is investing in yourself and seeking out those people and those resources that are available. Mm -hmm. 
um, and don't listen to the no's, sure, right? Sure. Um, you know, that yeah. is my biggest motivator. Yeah. Tell yeah. me no, and I will prove yeah. you that I could do it, right? No and means not now. No <laughs> means not now, um, not never, right? Okay. And so right. surrounding yourself with people sure. who, um, you know, you see yourself in them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it's important to have people like us in leadership sure. who lead with vulnerability and share our stories and yeah. are transparent. And there is no shame with, you know, how I grew up. And, yeah. you know, I think it's it's a matter of creating environments where we can really show up as our authentic selves to do sure. our work because then they see us yeah. um, and they know that we see them and we believe in them and that it, you know, it continues to pay forward. Wonderful. And more concretely also, uh, they can just go to our website. Uh, she can tell them and uh, apply to some of our programs, right? Yes, the medical yes. scholars program. That's what. That's why we exist. Yes, and that's why we exist. So diversity at med.miami.edu. Okay. Uh, applications will be available for summer 2023 in December with okay. a deadline in March. Um, students will receive notification two weeks thereafter as to their acceptance to the program with a start date of June and July. So we look forward to our next cohort. That's a great way to end. Dr. Vega, it has been a joy to talk to you this morning and to learn from you um, and, and to explore your passion for diversity and inclusion. Uh, and, and I'm just so happy and grateful that uh, you are the Assistant Dean for Diversity and Inclusion and Community Engagement at the Women's School of Medicine. Thank you. Absolutely wonderful work you do. Thank you. I appreciate your support. And for our listeners, Dr. Vega epitomizes the commitment of the middle school to promoting health equity by advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion. We are glad that you joined us this morning, and we hope that you'll tune in again for the next episode of Inside Your Miami Medicine. Until then, I'm Ali Ford, the Dean and Chief Academic Officer of the Middle School of Medicine. Bye.